image that Destiny made. And by the way, the new website is up as well, so go check it out, uh, vwotexas.com, and thank Destiny when you see her. She's doing a great job on it, Um, and and let's give her a hand for that, amen? She's doing a really, really good job with our social media. How many know social media is important today? We're living in that day, and a lot of people find our church, a lot of people come in and get saved because they're looking, they're searching, and they need to find us. So this is a great picture, and it's going to make more sense after, okay? You see the desert, you see the, the dryness around the door, and then you see inside that beautiful water, right? And so I'm going to explain that a little bit more. But the question is, why is the gate narrow, okay? And so if you know the Bible at all, this is something that Jesus said, and I want to explain it to you tonight. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Why is the gate narrow? Let's read what Jesus said. He says, enter by the narrow gate, okay? And then notice that that word narrow is there, narrow gate, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way, and that's important if you're taking notes there, if you underline or or highlighting your Bible, the way, okay, the way is very important. He says, wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And he says a statement here that's very interesting and very true. He says, and there are many who go in by it. Okay, by what? By the wide gate. And then he says, because narrow, and there's the answer, narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Father, I ask you to just speak to us tonight. Open our hearts. Give us understanding. Make everything clear. Make everything um, revelation for us tonight. Just a light, let the spiritual light bulb come on in our head to understand your heart and your plan and your will tonight, Father. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to read another scripture that's very similar in Luke chapter 13, verses 23 and 24. And as we read this, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes after that first verse. A healthy fear of the Lord is really important. A healthy fear of the Lord. How many know when you have a reverent fear or healthy fear or a respect is another word for anything, it's healthy? Okay, if you respect things, then there's a health there. You respect the law, you respect authority, you respect things. How many know if we're expected to respect the law and respect authority, we should much more respect and honor God, who is the ultimate authority? So I just want you to think about that as we move forward. A healthy respect for God. Luke 13 is very similar to the first one, but it's in a different book. And he says in verse 23, One person said to him, so they had heard this spoken, okay? So they're coming in and they're asking the question, Lord, are there a few who are saved? Lord, are there a few who are saved? Is it true that that there's only going to be a few that are saved? And as we look at this and read this, I want you to just stay with me on this. That question is a good question. Because Jesus said that a lot of people are going to find the way that leads to destruction, but only a few are going to find the way that leads to life. Now, how many know, if we know God's character tonight, that it is God's will for everybody to be saved? That's His will. Sunday morning we prayed for healing, and I told you it is God's will for everybody to be what? Healed. It's his will. 
He doesn't say, I want you over there to be healed, and I don't care if you get healed, and I don't want you to be healed. He wants everybody to be healed. It's his will. He also wants everybody to be saved. So then you ask the question, then why does he say that the gate is narrow? Why does he say that only a few will find it? It's a good question, right? And the quest, that's the question I want to answer tonight. And I want you to leave with a really good understanding. I can tell you that in my own personal life, this is something that for a lot of years was hard for me to grasp. I couldn't really understand this, this concept from Jesus. Why, why, if he wants everybody to go to heaven, why does he make it so hard? Why does he make it so difficult? If, if he's, it's, it's like, I want, you to, I want you to be a member, member of this church. I want you to love this church. I want you to, I want you to come and, 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 and get the benefits of being a church member, but I'm going to give you all these things you got to do to be a church member. Then why do I make it so hard on you, right? So you say, Jesus, if you want me to go to heaven, why do you make it so hard? How many know that's a thought that a lot of people have? If you want me to be there, why are you making it? Why are you even making that statement? Why would he make that statement? Because he's God and he knows us. So this person makes this question. They say, Lord, is it really true that there are a few that are saved? And, and that verse, end of the verse 23 says, he says to them, verse 24, here's the key, and this goes off the healthy fear of the Lord. He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Now, I know at this moment, this is, that might be a little discouraging. I know at this moment, all, a lot of us could be like, God, am, am I one of those ones that's not going to be able? Am I not? You know, Joe had a great lead-in. I always tell you that we don't talk about what I'm going to preach. He has no idea what I was going to preach. He had a great lead-in at prayer by the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to stay in this till the end. Matthew says, he who endures till the end shall be saved. He who endures till the end shall be saved. This is a race, and the Bible says it's not who gets there first or last, it's that we finish. Okay? So this is a race. And where are we running to? We're running into eternity. All of us are running into eternity. How many understand tonight that every one of us here and every person in the world is running towards eternity? Or walking or jogging or whatever you want it to be. Eternity waits everybody. Nobody is going to miss out on eternity. Nobody's going to be exempt from being there. Everybody's going to go into eternity and, and live forever. God gives us the choice where we spend it. He gives us the choice where we spend it. But then you think, okay, that's true. I get you. There's eternal life. And, and he gives us the choice to spend it. But why is he telling us that it's difficult to get through the gate that gets the eternal life of heaven? Why? Why would he say that? Because the concept, I'm going to get into this in a second, the concept is that we don't grasp is that we put a lot of baggage and things onto our walk and, and we put a lot of rules and we put a lot of uh, legalities and we put a lot of buts and we put a lot of what's and we put a lot of things onto what Jesus is saying. And what Jesus is actually saying is very simple, but we make it hard. Because as human beings, we have a hard time accepting what God says, and we go, but, and, what about this, and what about that, and what if I do this, and what if I do that? How many know the gospel really is simple? 
And that's why he was coming to these people and he's trying to, to tell them that. Think about this. I, here, here the Bible says, some, some people would say the Bible contradicts, but it doesn't contradict. It says there, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Strive means we have to do something, right? We have to, we have to be involved. We have, to, we have to do something. Strive would be involving us. But how many know the first thing you might think of when you hear the word strive is when you say you have to do something, is, is would you think of works? Right? Works. What, I, I've got to be good. I've got to follow all the rules. I've got to make everything right. I've got to be perfect. Right? We, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, if I don't think this, if I, if I don't go there, if I, we have all these things we start adding on. And so that, that the road begins, be, begins to be broader. Because we're adding things on. And, we're, and we're, we're not understanding that God has made this simple. The reason people don't find it is because they don't just accept it for what it is. Because as you think about this, no one will ever earn heaven by striving for it. Because, the, listen, listen this closely. The narrow gate is difficult because of our own pride. The narrow gate is difficult because of our natural love of sin. We, we, we naturally want to sin. And obviously, the narrow gate is difficult because we have an opposition, which is Satan. Right? He's, Jesus said, I've come into this world to give you life and life more abundantly. But before that was said, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So there is an opposition to the narrow road. But how many know that is, and I, I almost showed this tonight because it was so simple, but I, I knew we were showing the, the video of Pastor Marshall and Sharice, and I didn't want to have too many videos. But there was a cartoon video that made it really clear. It was really good. Sometimes to understand the Bible, you need to think like a child, which is what Jesus said. And he basically, in this cartoon, I'll just paint the picture a little bit for you, he kind of showed in this video cartoon uh, uh, two paths, which is what we have, two paths. We only have two paths. One that leads to destruction, one that leads to eternal life. How many get that math? That's it. There's no third road. One leads to hell, one leads to heaven. And the thing is, is the one that leads to hell is wide, or destruction is another word for that, and, it, and it's got a lot of people going there. And so when we look at a, at a path that has a lot of people, and, and we see fun, and we see um, um, things that attract our flesh, and, and people are going that way, and you think, man, if there are a lot of people are going that way, it's got to be the right way. But the other road only has a few people on it, and it's not as attractive. The road with the cross, the road of self-denial, the road of trust to God, the road of, of prayer, the road of love and devotion to God is a, is a narrow road. And, and it's not that everybody can't find it, it's that they won't find it. They choose not to find it. They choose to say, I'm too attracted to this other path. How many are seeing the two paths with your visual? Amen. I'm too attracted to the other side. And it's almost like they're getting it backwards if you look at this picture. They're seeing the end result, which is paradise and heaven, and they're seeing that now. They're seeing that now. And what their end result is going to be is that barren desert. Catch this. But when I choose Jesus, which is the narrow path, my now is the desert. Someone's going to get this right here. 
My now is the desert. My now is struggle. My now is self-denial. My now is maybe not having everything I want. My now is, is defeating the flesh and beating the flesh in subjection so that later, that's waiting for me. That's waiting for me. Paradise is waiting for me in heaven. But the world says, I want paradise now. I want riches now. I want what the world has now. I want the lust of my flesh now. I want peace now. I want happiness now. I want fun now. I want all the things that I want now. And Jesus is saying, if you'll give those up for temporary time now and, and understand that even in the desert, I'll, I'll take care of you. Later on, that, that, that narrow gate's got something really good for you because there's protection. How many got something right there? Okay, so it's kind of a picture that goes both ways. Amen. And so he's telling us here in, in the Bible that few are saved because they won't do what he said. And I'm going to give you a good example. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. This is going to really clarify it as well. Luke chapter 9. And then I want to show you another vision. I do have that to show you that I really think is going to, is going to bring this home. Because I want you to leave tonight with an understanding that I have about this. I want it to make sense because I'm telling you from my own personal experience, this is, a, this is a teaching that people struggle with. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I promise you if I asked you to raise your hand, many of you, if not all of you, would struggle with this, understanding it. What do you mean, God? Why, why, what, what, what do you mean you want us all to be saved, but few of us are going to be saved? doesn't make sense. But how many know we can't think like we think? We have to have a, a spiritual mind and not a carnal mind. And when we get saved, the Bible tells us we have the mind of Christ. We can understand these things. The world doesn't grasp it. The world doesn't understand it. And, and, and here's something to think about, too, as we get into this next part. There's kind of a thought, if you realize this, there's kind of a thought in the church world today that all you have to do is make a decision... Just say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe. Belief is huge. Faith is huge. But the Bible says demons believe too. And they tremble at his word. So it's not enough just to say a, a prayer. Jesus, I believe. Jesus expects us to walk out our salvation. Walk it out on that path and finish the race. Paul says later in the Bible, I have fought the good fight. Okay, in the Greek, that word uh, um, narrow gate area, it, it actually translates to uh, obstacle. It actually translates to uh, struggle, which is why I, had to, I want to leave it like that, which is why I had the picture of the desert. It was so perfect because the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. There's a bad painted picture in the church today that when you get saved, everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be green pastures. Everything's going to be overflow. Everything's going to be abundance. And listen, we can believe for those things and pray for those things and ask for those things. But how many know you're going to go through some trials, as Joe said at prayer, you're going to go through some struggles. You're going to go through some hard times. You're going to go through some times where you want to quit. You're going to, you're going to hear that voice that is so ridiculous that tells you you were better off before you met God. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand there. There's people who have that thought. I was better off before. I didn't have any. This Here's the funny thing. I didn't have any problems. Have you ever said that or heard that? Man, before I met the Lord, I didn't have any problems. You are the biggest liar in the world. 
I should say, you're the most deceived person in the world. You had problems. You just were too drunk to remember. You had too many pills in you to remember. You were too busy doing whatever. It don't have to be drugs or alcohol. Filling up that void with something else. But you had problems. You had big problems. But Jesus comes in, and he doesn't promise us perfection on this earth. But he promises us perfection in the eternity. It's something to look forward to. It's something that's later. It's something. How many know if you get everything now, you ain't got nothing to look forward to? God, God shows us some, some glimpses of his glory, but we don't see it all. Now, stay with me here. Watch this. Luke 9, 57. Now, it happened as they journeyed on the road. This is going to kind of clarify that someone said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another one, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. I want to say something interesting about this. When you think about that, let me first go and bury my father. This is interesting because in Bible times, they didn't have any way of, of embalming somebody. And so when he said this statement, it's most likely that his father was not dead. Are y'all listening? He was already planning an excuse. Because if his father was dead, he wouldn't have been talking to Jesus. He'd have been at the burial. Because, And I saw this in Costa Rica. There is embalming there, but most people can't afford it. And when a person dies, they're buried that day or the next day. Quickly. Yeah, there's a stink there. True story. So they got to be buried fast. And so if this man is telling the truth, he wouldn't have even been talking to Jesus because he'd already been at the funeral. But what he's basically saying, and this is the problem, he's saying, I'm making an excuse here. I'm, I, 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 I got to go bury my father, Lord. And God sees right through that. God says, follow me. And we say, well, I got to do this and I got to do that. Watch what Jesus says. He says something kind of harsh here. Let the dead bury their own dead and preach the kingdom of God. Now he was talking about spiritual death there. And that verse 61, and Lord, another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them for farewell who are at my house. Again, an excuse. And this is all going to make sense more in a second here. Okay, let me, let me go say goodbye to my family. Watch what Jesus says in 62. No one, say no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm not a farmer, and I don't know a lot about plowing, but I know the simple part of this. When they plow, and they had that, that animal in front of them, they had to find a focal point ahead of them, a rock or some kind of object, and they had to keep their eyes on it so that they would not get distracted and go to the left or the right. And that's what Jesus is saying. You can't look back because you're not going backwards. You're going forwards. And you're going to stay on that plow until you get to that object. And Jesus is saying, I need you to stay on me, fixed on me. I need you to stay following me. I need you to stay loving me until you get to the object, which is heaven. Amen. There's going to be some rocks. There's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some trials. But keep your eyes. He says, he says fix your eyes on me. I'm the author and finisher of your faith. Amen. I'm the perfecter of your faith. How many, are, how many are with me so far? 
Amen. Hopefully, hopefully you're grabbing this a little bit. Maybe, maybe some still haven't quite. It's going to make clear, make sense. It's like when you focus on th- something, it's like slowly starts to make sense. It gets a little clearer. This is such an important teaching. Here's an example. If you have a currency, we have dollars. Okay, if you have a $100 bill, $20 bill, $50 bill, whatever you have, that currency has value if it's real. If it's real. But how many know every time there's something real, there's a counterfeit? Go to any store today and give somebody $100 and see what they do with it. Any store. They're going to take a marker and they're going to write on it. Or they're going to look up. In, in, in this, in, for certain, certain things on that bill that shows that that currency is real because there's so much counterfeit. We have the true God and the truth. And Jesus says, I am that truth. I am the currency. I am it. But there's a lot of counterfeits. And the only way you're going to find heaven is if you believe in the true currency. You believe in the true God and you believe in the one and only God. He says, I'm that God. Okay. There's lots of counterfeits and those counterfeits are going to take you on wrong paths and they're going to take you to a path of destruction. Proverbs, I believe it's around 14 verse 12 says the, 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 the way seems right unto man. There's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to death or destruction, which is hell, death or destruction. Okay, so then we we begin to close here by seeing this. Watch. One more verse, uh, Luke 14, then I'm going to close in John. Luke 14, 26 says this, and many many of you have heard this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, his life also, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Okay? Now, we've talked about this before, but maybe you haven't heard it. Let me, let me break this down and make it clear because the word hate seems kind of crazy. The word hate translated means loving anything more or loving everything else less. He's saying if you don't love less your father, if you don't love less your mother, if you don't love less your, your wife and your children, if you don't love less your own life, you cannot be my disciple. Okay? Now, here, here's where the rubber meets the road. And if you'll get that one picture ready, if you don't mind. Here's where the rubber meets the road. I want you to think about this. This, this is really what you've got to grasp. I believe many people won't find eternal life because of the first thing I said, which is Pride. That they're going to say, how could God and how could this? And they're going to have all these questions. Let me tell you what the answer is to that. Because he's God. He's God. How many parents here give your kids explanations for everything? No. How many parents here tell your kids sometimes, because I said so? Because I pay the bills. Because you live in my house. Because I make the rules. Because I said so. And if they don't like it, guess what? They can leave. Come on. Are you getting that? If you don't like it. And so Jesus says, listen, this is the path I'm telling you to choose. If you want to make it to heaven, then do what I say. And if you don't, then you're going to join all the other people who want to do what they want to do, which is a whole bunch of people. 
Now watch this. I want to put this, this picture up. This is key. What is sin? In the Torah, Old Testament, in the New Testament, sin is missing the mark. Watch this. This is going to help you. Missing the mark. Say, what, what, what does sin have to do with, with what we're talking about here? It has to do a lot because sin was what will keep us out of heaven. Sin is what will keep us out of heaven. What causes us to sin? Disobedience and all those different things. But here, let me show you what the greatest sin is. Let me, let me make this all clear now for you in case you're still just not quite totally focused yet. What is that thing in the middle where the, where the dart is called? What is it called? The bullseye. That's the mark. Jesus is the bullseye. Jesus is the bullseye. He's the mark. And when you throw at a darts, darts at a, at a, at a, at a, at a target, or, you're, or if I had uh, somebody tonight, if I gave a ball to somebody, and I had you try to hit this VWO sign right here, Nine times out of ten, you're going to miss it. You might hit it. You might get close. But if I told you tonight that, that your salvation depended on you hitting that ten out of ten times, how many know we'd be in trouble? Here's where we miss the mark. In the throwing and the trying to hit the bullseye in our own strength. Salvation comes from knowing who the bullseye is. And knowing who we are in the bullseye. If we don't have Jesus as the bullseye, we're lost. We're lost. We'll miss the mark. If we, if we don't do it perfect, see, here's the problem. If we try to enter in our own way, which is the wide way, if I try to enter in through my works, if I try to be good enough, Jesus says, if you go that route, then you got to be perfect. You cannot mess up one time. If you're going to even take a step towards that path, then you better be perfect. And nobody's perfect. So why do people miss the mark? Why do people go down the road to destruction? Because they say, okay, I believe, I believe in Jesus. Watch this. I believe in Jesus. I believe in what he says. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he's salvation. But, but I've got to make sure that I do this. And as soon as you do that, you get off the path that's narrow. Y'all here? You catching this? As soon as I begin to think, um, okay, I know Jesus is Lord. I know he's salvation. I, I believe he's the son of God. But I didn't pray enough last week. I didn't go outreach enough. Here's what you do. Picture the narrow gate. Okay, you got that narrow gate pictured? When you try to get through the narrow gate with anything else on you but Jesus, you don't fit. You don't fit. You can't come in. When you get to heaven and you stand before God, what are you going to take with you? Come on, somebody. What are you going to take with you? Are you going to take your, your bank account? Are you going to take your talents? Are you going to take your good looks? Are you going to take, you're going to take um, how much you gave to the church? Are you going to take how many people? None of that stuff's going in. Uh, uh, loving people, none of that stuff's going in. There's only one thing the Bible says that's going to get you in heaven. That's your name. Your name. And how's your name in that book? By, by, because of Jesus. Period. He's not going to say, hey, what church did you go to? And if you get to the gates, this is just a picture. If you get to the gates, we'd have, we would have all this stuff on us. 
We would have all this baggage, and it's, and it's not even bad baggage. It's what we think is good baggage. But God says, if you're going to try to measure up by your good works and by your goodness, you can't come in. Why do you think the Bible says in another part of Scripture, he says, he says, didn't people come to him and say, Lord, Lord, I've prophesied in your name. I've healed the sick in your name. I've done this in your name. And he's going to say, I don't know you. Because you have tried to get in through the gate in your own, by your own merit. Jesus. Jesus is the bullseye. And so every time you begin to feel like you're being pulled off that path of the narrow to the broad, Jesus. Back to Jesus. Back to the blood of Jesus. Back to understanding that if I miss the mark, I can't go to heaven. And missing the mark is missing that Jesus is the bullseye. Okay? Jesus is the bullseye. Now go to John 14. And we'll close here. And that last verse we just read explained that. If, if I love anything outside of that bullseye, see, in darts, we're not playing darts. This is just a visual. If you get close in darts, you get some points. We don't get points for being close. That's why it's narrow. That's why few find it. Not because they can't, but because they add to Jesus. Y'all getting this? It's Jesus and Jesus alone. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. There's no other way to be saved. And then I'm going to show you why we should do all those good things, but we can't do them so that God will let us in. Because we won't get in on those things. All the religions in the world, church, all the religions in the world are trying to get in that gate through their works. And they're on the wrong path. Because the only path to, to heaven is through Jesus. The only way to be saved and have eternal life is to carry that cross through that area. Now watch what John 14 says. Verse 1. Many of you have read this before, but listen. Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So he's saying, listen, I've got a real place. I have a real place for you to come to. It's, it's, it's eternal. It's forever. It's like that picture with the beautiful water and everything. It's there He's saying, listen, I wouldn't have told you it's there if it's not there. He, so that can give us assurance that we're not believing for some eternal life that's not there. It's there. It's there. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you to myself that where I am, you would be also, you may be also. Now watch this. We all know, we know all those verses. We've heard those. He says, where I go, you know, now watch this, and the way you know. Remember I told you in the beginning to hi highlight that or underline that? The way. There is a way that seems right unto man. He says, you know the way. And then Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And he says, how can we know the way? 
So there's the picture of his own disciple not understanding that he is the way. It's not anything else you can do. He is the way. And there's only one way. There's many paths, they say, but there's only one way and only one door that gets into eternal life. You ever heard the saying, my way or the highway? God has his own my way or the highway. He's his own. How can we can have it, but God can't? He said, I want everybody to be here, but you're not coming in the way you want to come in. You're not going to come knock on the door and say, hey, I want to come in, but I came through this other path. The Bible calls you a robber. The Bible calls you a robber. They're going to say it. They're going to say at the wedding. There's another parable. It says at the wedding feast, "What are you doing here? You don't have any. You don't have any wedding clothes. You're an imposter. You're an imposter. What are you doing here? You didn't come in the right way. You didn't come in the door that I. This is the door. There's not going to be a bunch of doors. There's just one door. It's going to be easy for them to take them in in heaven. Amen. It's just going to be one door. You can only come through that door. And whoever comes to that door." is going to be welcomed right on in. He says, you know the way. Watch this. And Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And then he makes a statement, no one, no one comes through to the Father except through me. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I am the gate. John 10 says, I am the door. I'm the door. How many know on the ark, there was only one way in. And when that door shut, they were out. And he warned them and he told them. And so we've got to understand, the simplicity of the gospel is it's Jesus alone. That's what his word says. How come somebody can't find it? Because they try to add to it. They try to make their own way. They pridefully say, I just, that don't make any sense. And God says, I'm not trying to make sense. Just do what I said. And it's really summed up in this last verse that's in the same chapter, and I'll leave you with this thought. Here's what he says. So, so now we're, let's say we're saved, like we believe we are tonight, and we're on the path, but none of us have made it yet. I don't see any of you wearing heaven clothes yet. I don't have heavenly clothes on yet. I don't see anybody here in an incorruptible body. We're all still in our sin bodies, but we're on our way. And if Jesus is Lord tonight, we're on our way. But how many know at any point, at any time, I could step off that path and begin to question, is Jesus really the way? I can begin to ask, the, is Jesus the only way, really? A whole lot of people come along recently. And not just recently, but we see it on TV and media. Come on, there's, there's other ways. There's other ways. Can't be just one way. There can't be. When you say that, there can't be just one way. You're off the path. And you're on the broad one that leads to destruction. But if you're here tonight and you understand in your spirit, you might not understand everything, but if you understand in your spirit tonight that there's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus, you're on the path. And you'll never be good enough to earn it. You'll never be good enough to be, to be good enough to be on that path. Jesus just says, take your cross, deny yourself, deny your pride, deny your thoughts, deny the way you think I should have done things, and just do what I said. And then 1415 says, if you love me, obey my commandments.
Okay, that's, that's where the obeying comes in. That's where the love comes in. That's where the works come in. That's where doing the right thing comes in. That's where, that's where tithing comes in, praying comes in, coming to church comes in, outreaching comes in. All the things that we do for good are all because we love him, not because it's the way to heaven. Did you get it? We should do those things in excess, but because we love him. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And, and, and what good does it do to love your neighbor? What good does it do to tithe? What good does it do to pray? What good does it do to do all those other things if you don't believe the most important one, which is he's the way? That's got to be right. And if that's right, everything else will work out right. Because you'll be on that path. And if you'll put that picture up again, I want you to look at it again. This is our life now. This is our life now. That's what we're looking forward to. But that, that surrounding stuff, a lot of times what our life looks like right now. And it's not that we don't have blessings and we don't have provision and all that, but it, 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 it symbolizes struggle. He says birds have a place to put their head and they have a nest. And, and he says, let the dead go bury their dead. He's, he's just saying, keep me first. The path to righteousness, the path to eternal life is putting Jesus first. Love your family. Love your neighbors. Love and do and go and be right and bear fruit. But make sure Jesus is first in everything. And whenever he begins to not be first, Lord, forgive me for that. Lord, I'm sorry that I allowed my heart to be pulled a little bit to the broad path where everybody else with a popular path, with an easy path, let me come back to the path of where I bear my cross and I say, Lord, I, I totally, totally put my trust in who you are. Father, I pray tonight that this has helped somebody. I hope and pray that I've got it out right. Pray that it makes sense. I pray, Lord, that there, there's been revelation tonight through the word and, and we understand tonight that you are the way, the truth, and the life and no one, no one comes to the Father except through you. You're the bullseye. But I can't hit that bullseye on my own power. The reason I can be in the bullseye, the reason I can be not missing the mark is because my faith is on the author of my faith, which is Jesus. My eyes are fixed on your perfection. My eyes are fixed on the fact that you went to the cross, that you that you laid aside all the weights and all the fears and all the doubts and, and all the, the temptations of the devil. He said, jump off this and the angels will get you. Look at this, I'll give you all this if you'll bow to me. Make this stone bread. You, you went through that test and you kept your eyes on the Father. That's what you're asking us to do tonight. Keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Father, thank you for your word. Help us deny ourselves tonight. Help us not allow any thoughts to come in that cause us to think we're good enough or we're righteous enough or we're holy enough because, Lord, our righteousness is filthy rags. The only reason I do those good things that I should do is because I love you and I'm thankful for what you did to give me eternal life. Lord, all over this place tonight, I ask you to touch hearts. I ask you to make sure that we're in the right place tonight, that our hearts are pure, that our hearts are open, 
and that our faith is in what you did on that cross for us, that you paid the price, you took our place, and now we just have to put our faith in what you did, and that's enough. That's enough, God. Because any other way, I miss the mark. Any other way, I fall short. But when my eyes are on you, and I plead the blood of Jesus, and I say Jesus is my salvation, then I'm in right standing, and I'm on that right path, and I will finish the race, and I will hear one day the words, enter in, good and faithful servant. we got to stay faithful. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, you can tonight. You can be saved. You can be born again. You can have a new life. Just put your faith in Jesus tonight, not in your works, not in the things you've done, not being good enough because you're not good enough. We'll never be good enough. Even on your best day, you fall so short. I fall so short. But tonight, put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in him tonight. Is anybody here tonight saying, I I don't know the Lord. I need to be saved. Just put your hand up. We want to make sure that everybody knows Jesus tonight. Everybody knows salvation. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And that's what saves us. He who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to say one more thing. Listen to this. This is why when we think about this path, the path has nothing to do with the walk more than it does with the faith. Because many people are dying on their deathbed tonight. And if they call on Jesus' name, they'll be saved. Because the path is Jesus doesn't matter how long the path is. For some people, the path is 50 years. For some people, the path is five seconds. If you call on his name and you say, Jesus, you're the door, you're the way, you're the truth, you're the life, you're in. Because it's not by merit. It's not by merit. It's not by being good enough. It's by putting your faith in what Jesus said, that he's the way, that he's the truth, and he's the life. He's the door. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. I hope that the Holy Spirit helped me get this out. I hope I made it clearer for you. I hope it makes sense tonight for you. And, And I hope that if you don't get anything else, focus on Jesus. Focus on what He did for you. Thank him tonight. Amen. Stay in thanksgiving. Stay stay in love with Jesus. And, and out of the love that you have for him, you'll obey his commands. Does that make sense? Not for him to love you more. Not for him to let you in because you're not going to get in by that. Because you love him, you obey his commands. Let's open the altar tonight. Let's take a few minutes and just sing a song and worship him tonight. And just, just talk to God wherever you're at in your walk. Hopefully this this gave you some insight. Hopefully this helps you tonight.